being in front of consumers on shelf is a huge part of kind of our belief of go to market. Um, aside from that, um, we really believed in the power of um, personal recommendation. Welcome to Honesty Commerce, a podcast dedicated to cutting through the BS and finding actionable advice for online store owners. I'm your host, Chase Clymer, and I believe running a direct-to-consumer brand does not have to be complicated or a guessing game. On this podcast, we interview founders and experts who are putting in the work and creating real results. I also share my own insights from running our top Shopify consultancy, Electric Eye. We cut the fluff in favor of facts to help you grow your e-commerce business. Let's get on with the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Honesty Commerce. I'm your host, Chase Clymer. And today, we're welcoming to the show another brilliant founder. Hillary Kortner is the co-CEO and co-founder of Hilma, a new natural remedies brand that is creating herbal alternatives to your medicine cabinet staples. I always screw that word up, herbal and herbal. When I read it, I always put the H in there. Uh, that's just how my brain works. Anyways, Hillary, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. I'm good. Thanks. How are you? I drank way too much coffee to to be completely honest. So that's okay. It's a Thursday. You're just almost across the finish line. Getting getting through the week, and then today uh, I actually realized that the quarter is over like next week, and I was like, whoa, it's almost Q4 now, and I'm like, now we got to do a bunch of planning. Awesome. So take me back to the beginning. Uh, you've got uh, an awesome backstory especially like but what you were up to before founding Hilma so like just let's just go back right before that what was going on in your life and kind of you know what led up to uh, the ideation of what is now Hilma yeah sure so just to kind of give you some context on my professional background um, I've always kind of worked and lived in the world of retail and consumer products started my career in a pretty traditional role um, out of college in investment banking and a retail and consumer startup as a coverage group, excuse me. Um, And when I was there, I just happened to be staffed on a series of food and beverage deals, all of which were kind of at the time, um, notably emblematic of the market shift towards better for you products and more natural products. Um, So I really appreciated from that seat that that would be that natural would be driving the growth in CPG going forward. Um, And so I was really excited about that. I decided to move to LA, joined a company called The Wonderful Company, which is a family of healthy food and beverage brands. Um, Among a couple of roles was a brand manager for Fiji Water. Um, And then went to business school where I met... um, one of my co-founders and then through her, my other co-founder, we're a three-person co-founding team. Um, and we kind of always talked about starting something together. We we're both excited about kind of this general better for you, a healthy trend um, at the time, specifically as related to food, uh, but didn't have an idea. And so went our separate ways. And post-business school, I joined um, a startup that was being incubated by Walmart, which was called Jet Black, um, was the first hire there and acted as right hand to the CEO, who was um, a very talented and proven founder, one of the co-founders of Rent the Runway. Um, And so really got the sense of what is it like to work at a startup from day one and like really scale it Um, and was definitely bitten by the bug. Um, And so at around the same time, started, you know, 
with Nina, my one of my co-founders, approached me because she and my other co-founder um, had been together, and one of them had a cold, and the, the other one like handed her an emergency, and they were like, "Hmm, this is weird that we're still using this product. Like, it's basically sugar and vitamin C." And so they're like, maybe like, like, why isn't our medicine cabinet, you know, clean, like the way the rest of our lives are. So they took this kind of like kernel to me and we all started diligencing the, the medicine cabinet and appreciated that like we were all like healthy consumers. Um, yet we had like old emergency and Tums boxes in our, in our own medicine cabinet. Yet we had each had really compelling experiences with natural alternatives. Like I had terrible allergies when I was young and have always used more natural approaches um, as it related to that part of my life. And each of us kind of brought our own set of personal experiences with us. So um, we got to work and really started validating that this was a really compelling business opportunity um, and was sort of the last domino to fall, so to speak, in the store. Um, All other categories from beauty to personal care um, to to food and beverage, of course, have turned over and yet um, the medicine cabinet is stuck in the past. So that's how we kind of got started. That's fantastic. So you guys have this amazing idea. Um, and how do you kind of go out and, and vet it? Because I know that uh, an issue that a lot of brands have is kind of finding product market fit. So what was your strategy and the team's kind of actions to try to Make, is this the right idea to invest our time and money into? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, so first, it, it always start for us. We took it. We approached it two different ways. One, just kind of looking at the market and really validating what we were seeing with numbers, um, and that was very resoundingly clear. I mean, I already mentioned many times that natural is really driving the growth in, in consumer products. Um, natural is growing at like eight percent in a year, and CBG overall is less than one percent. Um, and then OT we kind of looked like we looked at what is the penetration of natural products in other categories and where is OTC relative to that. And when I say OTC, I mean over-the-counter products. Um, and so OTC is less than 3%. And there, there are categories like dairy where it's almost close to 15%. So there's this big gap. And at the same time, millennials in particular are both very distrustful of pharma. Um, and 60% are, are saying they're actively searching for an alternative. So the the hunger is there and the appetite of the consumer is definitely there. So that's like all the on paper stuff that you feel good about. <laughs> and then we started talking to customers, which is the more important process. Um, and we did a ton, we had hundreds of customer interviews, like both of people who had never tried natural products before and understanding why, um, and just kind of understanding what types of things make them uncomfortable on kind of a more everyday basis. What do they use a lot? Um, and what are their current set of solutions? What do they like about them? What do they don't like about them? And then also people who are already kind of in the natural market um, and similar questions like, what do they like about what they're using? What do they not like about what they're using? And we really threw that honed on where we wanted to be different and where we thought that there was an opportunity to stand out. Perfect advice there. I, I think that the number one advice that I usually get on the show is just talk to your customers at any stage of the process, and you're gonna just you're gonna find answers. Um, all right, so you guys you have a, a validated idea now. Um, how did you approach kind of uh, getting everything going? How long did it take from you know 
in, actually, I guess the first question would be is uh, how long did it take from the inception of this idea where you saw this opportunity to you know going live with your actual e-commerce store? You know, what did that journey? How long did that take? You know, that time it's just like it's really hard to. I feel like it was so like we we were really like it's probably about two years to be honest, um, start to finish, like maybe maybe a little more, um, about a year of pre work before like we really started you know working on the site, etc. Like all that validation, um, and then a year as we were officially kind of like working on it leading up to the launch, um, and that I think like the lead time is different depending on the nature of the business. But for us, we were creating physical products that needed to be well-researched and you know safe for people and, and validated to work. Um, so there was a lot of complexity there as far as assembling the right team of experts, getting the right manufacturers in place, doing the right research validation, um, in addition to all of like, the normal things that you do to start kind of a direct-to-consumer brand um, or an e-commerce brand. So so yeah, it took a little. It took a while. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess what I wanted to highlight there for the listeners is like, good things take time, and it's you know, overnight is isn't really how these things get started. Um, especially you guys kind of took a, um, a a little bit of a different approach as as most people. Do you want to kind of speak a bit to that? Uh, in what sense? You mean in the way that we created the business, or just like how we're how we're positioning the products is different from. Uh, yeah, uh, you you were approaching it differently than others, like people that have come out with these products before. Yeah, so I think like at a high level, the way that we think about how we're different is uh, we kind of sit between over the counter products and what we call kind of the hippy dippy herbal market, um, which is very well established, and and you know people have been using herbs um, medicinally for generations, um, and so we had a couple of kind of foundational beliefs that you know we believed were important to bring these types of remedies to a mainstream market. The first of which was how do we like harness science um, and really bring data to the consumer so that they could take a leap of faith and try something that for most people is different than what they're used to. Um, so you asked kind of what were, what were the things that we did very early days to get this idea off the ground. One of the first things we did was create a board of scientific advisors, which includes traditional MDs um, and holistic practitioners. Uh, and they're really the foundation of our product development strategy. We work with them on all of our formulations. So that's the first like pillar of our scientific difference. Um, the second is that you know th- this is a crowded market and there are o- there are a lot of trendy ingredients that that spring up, um, some of which like I'm sure have great efficacy. But we took a stance early on that we wanted to only work and include ingredients that have been validated with clinical research. Um, and so we really haven't included anything that's bleeding edge in our own products that would to avoid the risk of it being debunked in you know a couple months time. And then the last piece, which is very different from our peers, is that we conduct our own primary clinical research. Um, so we completed that on our first three products today, and we have um, plans and, and, and hope to continue doing that on select products going forward. Um, so that is like the main differentiation, aside from the baseline positioning that we believe we need to be like price accessible and what has become like a very inaccessible wellness market um, and distribution. 
distribution accessible. Like we are stocked in shelves in Target, we're on Amazon, we're on our own site, um, and we want to be kind of as easy to understand as possible. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and I definitely want to get into the omni-channel strategy in, in a little bit. Um, but I guess my, my next question is what was like, you've got these products, you've got all this validation, you're excited to get started. What was like the go to market strategy? How did you get buzz about this new natural remedies brand out there? Yeah. So a big part of our go-to-market strategy was just like a belief on that we needed to be omnichannel. Um, and that's because of the way that people shop this category. So, you know, we launched our own direct-to-consumer site. We in parallel built up um, a footprint of natural and specialty brick and mortar stores um, that people could discover us in in real life, even though it was, you know, we launched directly into COVID. So that was a little bit different than what we thought. Um, and at the same time, worked on getting ourselves into Grove Collaborative, Thrive Market on Amazon. And as we mentioned, we launched in Target last year. So that is a, being in front of consumers on shelf is a huge part of kind of our belief of go to market. Um, aside from that, um, we really believed in the power of um, personal recommendation. And so all of our marketing is really channeled through um, we have a grassroots kind of affiliate a program, which is you know a network of ambassadors that are health authorities who speak about Hilma, like when they use them, why they think they're different. Um, and, you know, we try to harness, of course, the virality of, of a personal recommendation through friends and people who um, have loved and, and found benefit with the product because there's nothing like someone saying, you know, like I used to take X thing all the time, felt badly about it. So I want to try something different. So I try, I found this brand um, and I was skeptical and, you know, like it really worked. And it, that's so cool because, you know, it has things like chamomile in it versus something that's bright pink. <laughs> and though, so that, that narrative space, um, there's nothing like it as far as, as convincing someone to take the leap and try some products. Absolutely. So um, I know a lot of the listeners out here, they're probably a little more uh, nerdy might be a, a way to describe it. So could you talk a bit more about kind of uh, the choices you made in like uh, the selections you made in technology? Are there any things, anything uh, in, in that regard that was uh, definitely a game changer for you guys? Well, luckily for me, I, I do not have a technical background. Um, we have a pretty straightforward e-commerce website. Um, we built on Shopify. You know, we use probably the standard apps as it relates to kind of the various things that we need. And I'm happy to kind of talk through what, what like the stack is and in some cases where we're interesting. Um, but honestly, there wasn't anything super differentiated. And I think that just speaks to the moment that we're in, um, where it's such a well-developed ecosystem that kind of like most people can like stand up a site. Um, obviously, we had a help for sure um, and find kind of the tools that they need. And so we're always kind of keeping our eyes out for for ways. I think mostly for as it relates to like speaking to and, and having an intimate experience with our customers. Um, so we really are, are pay attention to the evolution of customer experience as it relates to our pro our product and tech. Um, but otherwise, we're pretty tech non intensive to be completely honest. Oh no, that that answer is wonderful, and it just highlights that you know the people sometimes when they're getting started they put up these barriers of like, I have to research all the tech and all that stuff. No, you just got to get started. Everything will kind of 
evolve with time and, and you know notice i think not making a decision is worse to, worse than making the wrong decision to be honest yeah i think there are some things that stick with you longer than others as far as like if you go the wrong path but i generally agree with you that um now luckily there's a lot of things that are de-risk there's a lot of information easily accessible that can help you make um a solid decision to get going on if you're struggling with scaling your sales, maybe Electric Eye can help. Our team has helped our clients generate millions of dollars in additional revenue through our unique brand scaling framework. You can learn more about our agency at electriceye.io. That's E-L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-Y-E.io. Mesa is the Shopify expansion pack to level up your brand. By turning all your internet-connected apps into your business epicenter, Mesa can lighten your workload and tame the day-to-day -day chaos of running your store. Join other successful brands that have learned how to balance clever workflows with a solid infrastructure to get more done without more overhead. Whether you need to order data in Google Sheets, products on Etsy, or customers added to HubSpot, Mesa has you covered. Peace of mind is right around the corner when all your apps are working seamlessly together. To put it quite simply, Mesa is a better way to work. Search Mesa, that's M-E-S-A, in the Shopify App Store and download the app today. Is your store holiday ready? Now is the time to make sure you and your team are prepared for the busy season ahead. Gorgeous, an omni-channel help desk built for e-commerce has machine learning functionality that takes the pressure off small support teams and gives them the tools to manage a large number of inquiries at scale, especially during the holiday season. Gorgeous combines all your different communication channels like email, SMS, social media, live chat, and even phone into one platform and gives you an organized view of all your customer inquiries. Their powerful functionality can save your support team hours per day and makes managing customer orders a breeze. Merchants can close tickets faster than ever with the help of pre-written responses integrated with customer data to increase the overall efficiency of customer support. Their built-in automations also free up time for support agents to give better answers to complex product-related questions, providing next-level support, which helps increase sales, brand loyalty, and recognition. Eric Bandholtz, the founder of Beard Brand, says, We're a seven-figure business, and we have essentially one person on customer support and experience. It's impossible to do it without tools such as Gorgeous to help us innovate. Learn how to level up your customer support by speaking to their team. Visit gorgeous.grsm.io slash honest. Mention this podcast when you sign up to get two months free. That's g-o-r-g-i-a-s.grsm.io slash h-o-n-e-s-t. Our partner Rewind can protect your Shopify store with automated backups of your most important data. Rewind should be the first app you install to protect your store against human error, misbehaving apps, and collaborators gone bad. It's like having your very own magic undo button. Trusted by over 100,000 businesses, from side hustles to the biggest online retailers like Nix, Gatorade, and Movement Watches. Best of all, respond to any of their welcome emails and mention this podcast, Honest E-Commerce, and get your first month absolutely free. Getting an online business off the ground isn't easy. So if you find yourself working late, tackling a to-do list that's a mile long with your fifth cup of coffee by your side, remember, great email doesn't have to be complicated. That's what Klaviyo is for. It's the email and SMS platform built to help e-commerce brands earn more money by creating genuine customer relationships. Once you set up your free Klaviyo account, you can start sending beautiful branded messages in minutes thanks to drag and drop design templates and built-in guidance. 
And with e-commerce specific recommendations and insights, you can keep growing your business as you go. Get started with a free account at clavio.com slash honest. That's K-L-A-V-I-Y-O dot com slash H-O-N-E-S-T. Well, I guess kind of in the in the spirit of making the wrong decision, is there anything uh, in in kind of the last couple of years of, of running the business where you know you'd like to go back in time and tell yourself, don't do that, or like just something that stands out to you that you want to let the listeners know, like, hey, don't don't make the same mistake that we made in this particular regard. I mean, there's probably so many. I'm trying to think of a helpful <laughs> example um, that's like a little bit more applicable to anyone's business. I mean, timelines in the beginning are just like so hard. I think for us, it, that was very real because, as I mentioned before, like we we're working on a physical product that needed to be like perfect for the end consumer because it's something that they put in their bodies, and you know, like our credibility and trustworthiness as a brand is so important. So we time like things, everything just takes longer than you think, especially the first time around. Now that's not so true. But when you need to get, when you need to, when you want to be live, and if you have some, and you're not able to like test and iterate the way that like luckily a lot of like tech businesses and products can very early on without it being perfect, um, that is hard. So I think it, it kind of depends on the business how pressing that um, challenge is. But I, like, I guess I say I wish we would have known. I think we kind of kind of knew but didn't know what the the impact of it would be yeah i think that just uh, that applies to almost every business uh I, i do a little bit of real estate stuff outside of the agency and like the advice i got is like buying your first investment property is the hardest thing you'll ever do and then each time it just gets a little bit easier, a little bit easier because you start to know what's going on. You start to have systems in place and it's not your first rodeo. Um, I think it, it just, it's the same with any type of business. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Definitely things get easier over time. You definitely know what the pitfalls are. Exactly. So with going uh, with an omni-channel strategy uh, and getting into Target, which congrats, by the way, um, how, you know, how much of uh, a multiplier of effort and attention uh, and time, I guess, would that be considered with just like picking one channel first and going kind of straight that way? Yeah. Well, I mean, to be fair, we did pick one channel first in the sense that like we made it, we made the choice to launch direct to consumer, which many brands do for the same reasons that we did, which is that all the things we just talked about of, you know, the ability to get something stood up and like learn really quickly about your customer is the best there. Um, but I think as we looked forward for the brand, even, you know, however many years, like now almost almost two years ago, which was a very different context, we knew that, as I mentioned before, that we just needed to be where the customer was, where they were thinking about these products. And that is definitely at retail. So it just... We had to design the team to be able to manage that multiple channels at once. And so the way that we did that is like as a founding team, like you know, we split channel focus so that like there really are skills that you build as it relates to building a direct... 
consumer brand or a digital brand specifically in managing marketing spend and allocating that marketing spend that's completely different than, than a sales process at a retailer. And so we sort of divided and conquered in order to manage that as a team. But you know, we've been particularly happy that we did that early on and set the foundation early on because the landscape over the last, like since we launched last January, has changed remarkably online. And um, the Pure Play DTC brand is is becoming more and more a relic of the past as when it comes to consumer. Um, and so we have luckily gotten somewhat of a head start there, which like we may not have prioritized doing as quickly call it like even three, five years ago. Um, so yeah. Absolutely. I, I like uh, how you kind of just shared with us that you had to divide and conquer on, on those channels because they are almost a, a full-time kind of job to start building those things out. And, and especially the way that you approach them is just completely different where uh, the Shopify store is a lot of data and a lot of a lot of numbers where retail is a lot about relationships uh, and it's just a completely different style to kind of grow that that arm of the business. Uh, is there anything that I forgot to ask you that you think would be worthwhile to share with our audience? No, but you actually the way that you just rephrased that made me also think that like for people who are considering kind of omni-channel strategy, we've really benefited as it comes to building retail from having that type of rich customer data and experience from our online businesses. Um, because that's kind of that's that like firsthand um, feedback that retailers are extremely hungry for. And so the left hand like definitely serve fed this year, serve the right. Like they really have been harmonious, um, which oftentimes people feel like, oh, they're they're they they might um, dilute the impact of the other. Um, but for us, like it's you know, rising tides raise all ships, and we yep. really do consider them like a generally awareness at the beginning to be kind of the most important thing that we can get. Oh, absolutely. What have you not mentioned? Hmm. Honestly, I think we just covered a lot in a really short period of time. <laughs> Is there anything that you you are wondering about? Well, no, I mean, I, I well, you said that a rising tide raises all ships, and I think there's something could be said about you. Also, made a play on Amazon early on, and maybe talk about uh, the decision making behind that because I know a lot of brands out there fear Amazon uh, in a sense. So could you explain kind of the reasoning behind that choice? Yeah. And I think it's different for every brand. And again, like so dependent on the category. For us, it was also very dependent on the time. As I mentioned, we launched in end of January 2020. So like our first year of business was a COVID story um, and, you know, still kind of is. So our view of like the impact of physical retail was definitely challenged in the first 12 months of doing business um, and is, is now starting to rebound. Um, but in the meantime, like we didn't want to just wait around. So we saw so much of that dislocation in store was going to Amazon and particularly in our category. And so that was just like, oh, we were going to do it eventually, but we just accelerated that decision. And at the same time, Amazon has made a lot of effort to kind of improve the tools that brand owners have at their disposal to really tell the brand story visually. And so that's lucky that we kind of like happened to enter the ecosystem at that time where, you know, we have a really beautiful store on Amazon, which really, which makes the brand stand out. And um, again, like we were able to leverage a lot of the insights around what worked on our site, like to that Amazon experience. 
brands. Um, and we do find, which makes kind of like our customer and the unit economics challenging to report out on when we interview customers, like they buy across like all three, three of our channels, whether it be our direct site, Amazon and at retail. And it's just like, when, where are we, when we, when they need it, do they need it slightly faster? They go to Amazon. Do they need it right now? And they're in store, like they'll pick it up or do they, do they want to, to try a special bundle? They go to our website. So there really is this nice um, synergy of having kind of different experiences available to the, to the customers that are loyal to you. Absolutely. Now, and, and this is a question uh, that you may, may not be able to share the answer with me, but um, is going into Amazon and the velocity that you see capitalizing on just the traffic that that monstrosity gets. Um, did that velocity help you guys kind of uh, hit kind of unique economics, make them cheaper, economies of scale, and then be able to invest back in the other parts of the business? In general terms, it's still very early days, but we appreciate just like the magnitude of difference in terms of the, the audience on Amazon. It's just like, it's completely different. And we have a, like a slightly different customer, which is really interesting to um, analyze there. And in general, yes, like it's the volumes of servicing multiple channels, but like also at retail it helps the whole business. Um, so yes, I think it is important. Like you have to be set up to operationally handle each of those channels, which like we talked, we alluded to just a minute ago, but if you can, like it, it does help. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and you're not the first guest to mention that all the data that they had from other areas of the business help them with the retail push. Uh, so anyone that's out there thinking about that, you should definitely start to gather all that together before you get out there and, and start uh, pounding the pavement and making connections and trying to get into stores. Uh, Hillary, thank you so much for coming on the show today. You're a fantastic guest. I'm sure that we'll have you back in a year or so and you can catch us up on what's going on. Thanks so much, Chase. I appreciate it. All right. I can't thank our guests enough for coming on the show and sharing their knowledge and journey with us. We've got a lot to think about and potentially add into our own business. You can find all the links in the show notes. Make sure you head over to honestecommerce.co to check out all of the other amazing content that we have. Make sure you subscribe, leave a review. And obviously, if you're thinking about growing your business, check out our agency at electriceye.io. Until next time.